All right, guys. Um, we are in week four of this series, um, The Reason I, and it is a series about why we do what we do in church. And uh, it was really heavy on my heart when we were planning out this year's sermon calendar uh, that we do a lot of stuff that we don't explain. And, and we've got so many new faces that come in every Sunday. We thought, you know what, we should probably talk about why we do the things we do in church. Otherwise, it just seems weird. You walk in and we just kind of expect you to know. Stand up. We're going to sing now. Now sit down. Open your Bibles. Take some notes. All right, you pray. Bow your head. What is that? Like, like why, why are we doing all this stuff? And so we want to talk about why we're doing it. This morning, um, specifically, we're going to talk about why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Okay, and we're going to do that at the end of the service. It's really important we talk about it first. And so I'm going to ask you for a couple favors. One, if you have a Bible, we are in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we'll also be in Matthew 26. But if you have a Bible, we're in 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, second, if you've got a bulletin, if you, if, if you want to take notes in this, I'm going to ask you to take notes. So you can take notes in the old school bulletin, fill in the blank. Or you guys can use our digital, digital bulletin, which is my favorite. Uh, if you have downloaded our app in the App Store, it's FBCE. Uh, you can find it. it it's not hard. Um, you can literally open up the app, click on Sermon Notes. It's all the same stuff, okay? All the same stuff. We like the digital uh, because you can save it as a PDF. There's lots of things you can do with it. It's got hyperlinks to all the Scripture, so it's super helpful. So I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word, then we're going to jump in. Um, Father, it has been a crazy busy morning. This is my confession unto you. Uh, running since the moment I got in the building. And just want to pause now and slow down for all of us. See, it hasn't just been crazy for the pastor. It's been crazy for all the people, I bet. Getting up, getting dressed. There were probably some arguments on the way here. There was probably some talking back from some children to parents and maybe some threats that followed that. It's probably a husband and a wife that got in a disagreement about who was running late. There's probably some financial burdens weighing on some hearts and some healing that we've been praying for. And all those things can get us at this point that we forget to slow down. And God, this is our time to slow down. And so Holy Spirit, we're going to step back and invite you into this space right here. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this place? Would you fill this room? Would you fill our hearts and our minds? And would you teach us from the inside out about this Jesus? about what this thing called the Lord's Supper really is all about and how we should participate, but more importantly, why we should participate. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Uh, guys, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I, I'm going to start in verse 23, but, but really, you, you could go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to get the context of what's going on. Paul's talking about the Lord's Supper. He's writing the church in Corinth, and man, this church is jacked up. They've got all kinds of issues, and when they get together, instead of celebrating the Lord's Supper, they're just like, some are, some are just having a hoedown potluck, and they brought all their food for the day, and they're feeding their whole family. Not only are they feeding their whole family, they evidently brought all of their wine from the house too, and so they, they're, they're eating, getting their fill, some are getting drunk, others have nothing to eat, and they're sitting there watching everybody else eat, they're watching other, they're going, what is going on? So Paul's writing them going, that is not the Lord's Supper. He's like, Corinth, that's not how you do it. You guys eat at home, and when you show up, here's what you do. And he gives them instructions, very clear instructions, 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. Here's the instructions. This is what Paul writes. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after the supper. This is wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Now remember, that's exactly what they were doing. They were showing up. They, they, they were eating, their family's eating, they're getting drunk, other people have nothing. So they're eating in an unworthy fashion. So he's writing, he said, so don't do that. He says, whoever does it in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way, therefore. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And he goes on to say, that's why many of you are sick and, and some of you even have died uh, there in the Corinth church. So, so listen, that's going to be our core passage, Paul explaining the Lord's Supper. But, but I, I want to tell you that in that passage, we find three reasons why we celebrate this thing, okay? Three reasons. And here's the first, guys. We celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember the deliverance Jesus has provided for us. We celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember the deliverance that Jesus has provided for us. Now, the Jews celebrated a meal together as well. For uh, Moses, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And so God sends uh, nine plagues, uh, all of which Pharaoh's like, nope, not going to let you go. Sends the tenth, and the tenth plague is the death of the firstborn. So he says to Israel, uh, through Moses, he says, uh, families, listen, this is really important. Each family has to find a blameless, spotless lamb. Okay, so you've got to find a, a perfect lamb, in other words. And he says, and, and, and each family is responsible. You've got to sacrifice that lamb, and you're going to take the blood of that lamb, and you're going to paint it on the doorpost. It, it, it's a symbol. The, that, that blood's going to, going to cover your house. So you're going to paint it on, on the doorpost, and, and then you're going to take the lamb, and you're going to roast it with some bitter herbs, and you're going to bake some bread. But you're, you're not going to wait on this bread. This is a quick bread. You can't use any leaven. You can't use any yeast. It's, it's an unleavened bread. And, and that was because they didn't have time. God's like, I, I want you ready to go. In fact, he even tells them, gird up your loins. Uh, they had loincloths, and, and that meant you would tie them up as if you were ready to run. And, and so God is, is telling Israel, man, I'm about to do something, and when it happens, you run. All right? So this is about preparedness. This is about faithfulness. So, so they, they paint the blood, uh, they, they, they roast the lamb, um, and, and, and they eat the bread. Okay? And, and this was all part of God's instruction. We find it in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 12, I believe, verse 8. He says, They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and, and bitter herbs. So that's what happens. And that's the Passover. Now the Lord's Supper is what Christians celebrate. Say, so why did you talk about the Passover, Pastor? Well, because uh, Jesus instituted and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I won't drink from this fruit of the vine, that's how we know it's wine, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And it says, after singing a hymn, they went out 
to the Mount of Olives where he will be betrayed by Judas. He'll be put on trial and beaten that night. And the next morning he will be crucified until he's dead, pierced with a spear and his blood and water will pour out of his side. Now what Jesus is saying in this meal is really important. I, I do not want you to miss it. What he is saying when he tells the disciples, see this bread, this Passover bread, that's my body. Right? That's my body. You see this cup, you see this, this it looks like blood, right? Red wine looks like blood. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This is for you. Now we got to, why was blood significant? Blood of the lamb, blameless lamb, God's going to pass over. And here's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. which They, they don't get right away, but they do eventually get, because it's all throughout the New Testament. He's going, hey guys, listen, I'm your Passover lamb. Me. I am the perfect fulfillment of this thing that you have practiced year after year after year after year throughout the history of Israel. It pointed to me. I am the blameless lamb. My blood will be spilled for your sake. And if you don't own it, if you don't let me cover you, death will not pass you over. It's being very, very clear. If you don't think that the New Testament refers to Jesus as the Passover lamb, you probably miss something. Because the very first time Jesus shows up on the scene in his public ministry, his, his cousin, actually John the Baptist, sees him and he says to his own disciples, he, he says this, he says, Behold, uh, the Lamb of God, or look, the Lamb of God, the CSB version, who takes away the sin of the world. Right? That's, that's who he calls Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do, do you know that Paul and Peter refer to Jesus as the Passover lamb. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be new unleavened batch as indeed you are. Ready? For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. It's like Jesus is the Passover lamb. Peter puts it this way. He just refers to him as the unblemished, spotless one. He says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but you were redeemed, ready, with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He's talking about that Passover lamb. He's talking about that Passover lamb. That is why Jesus makes such a bold statement in John chapter 6. I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. He is not talking about eating his actual flesh. He is saying, unless I'm your Passover lamb, you can't have life. Unless I am your Passover lamb... And, and you partake and, and you believe that my body was broken for you. Unless you own that. Unless you receive that. Unless you receive the fact that my blood was shed. That I was perfect. That I'm the sinless Lamb of God. And that my perfect blood was shed to cover your sins. Unless you believe that, death will not pass you over. You won't have life. It's a big statement. So the first Passover... <laughs> that the Jews celebrated that meal, it celebrated deliverance from slavery in Egypt. But the final Passover meal, the Lord's Supper, it's not, it's not a deliverance from slavery to Pharaoh, but a deliverance from slavery to sin and death. And that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper.
Okay, that's the first reason. The second reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper is because it marks the beginning of the new covenant. The Lord's Supper marks the beginning of the new covenant. And so, uh, we, we just read this. I'll put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five says, In the same way also he took the cup after the supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So this is really important because the cup and what it signifies, right? And, and, and that wine signifies the, the blood of Jesus, right? The, the perfect, blameless lamb's blood. That, like that's what it signifies. And, and so this is really important because he's saying what happens at this meal, okay, signifies the end of something old. It's the old covenant. And, and, and the beginning of something new, a, a, a completely new covenant. The old is done, it is finished, and the new is beginning. You get it? He, like, it's a new covenant. Now, some of you go, I don't even know what a covenant is. All right, so here it is. Ready? A covenant basically is a promise between two parties to perform some kind of action, period. That's the most simple definition. A covenant is a promise between at least two parties to perform some kind of action. Marriage is a covenant. A husband stands up and says, I do, I will, till death do us part. I will serve you and lay down my life and I will love you. And, and he's making a promise to the wife. And the wife then says, oh, and I will love you and I will, I will honor you. And like, it's great. And then they're like, and we will do this until we die. Die, die. I don't think they say it three times in the service, but that's what they mean, Right? That's what they mean. Like, we're going to be together forever now. Like, that's it. We're, it's just us. And you made the promise, not just to one another, but you made the promise to God. So covenants can involve third parties. So, so listen, the old covenant, we're going to explain the old covenant, how it ends. The old covenant starts with a guy in the Old Testament named Abram. Okay? And, and Abram comes from a pagan family. They don't believe in God. But God sees something in this man, Abram. He shows up to him. He says, Abram, I want you to go to a place that I will show you. I'm not going to tell you where to go. But by faith, I want you to pack up your entire family and go to a land that I will eventually show you. And Abram says, yeah, let's go. Right? And the promise is how the covenant works. He says, if you do this, I will make you the father of many nations. Now, at that time, Abram's probably uh, mid-70s, right? Um, the, the promise doesn't actually happen till like 25 years later that Abram actually has a child even, uh, much less father of many nations. But eventually he has a child and they name him Isaac, Right? And so uh, Abraham has Isaac, and then Isaac eventually will have Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob will have 12 sons, one of them named Joseph, who is his favorite. And daddy treats him like his favorite, gives him a beautiful coat. All the other brothers hate him. They sell him into slavery, where he ends up in, guess where? Egypt, right? And that's for him. And if they ever realize it, they'll take over our country. So they enslave them. They enslave them. And out of that slavery, they cry out to God, God, send us a deliverer. God, please hear our cries. And God does. And God sends Moses, right? And God sends Moses. And, 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 and guess what? There's, there's, the, there's the ten plagues. And there's Passover. And, and, and at, at the death of the firstborn, finally, Pharaoh's heart is softened. He says, get out of here. And so they run. 
They're prepared. But Pharaoh changes his mind and he pursues them. They get back to the corner uh, with, with, with the, the Red Sea behind them and, and Pharaoh's whole army approaching. Uh, God tells Moses to hold out the staff that he gave him over the water. And it's, uh, God tells Moses to hold out the staff that he gave him over the water and it's parted. They cross on dry land. Then Pharaoh's army begins to cross uh, he removes that, holds that staff out one more time, and they're swallowed up by water, right? They celebrate, but now they're in the desert. And God says, hey, now that I've got your attention, if I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people, we've got to take care of some business. So he says, Moses, I want you to go up on that mountain. Mountain is called Mount Sinai. Moses goes up for 40 days. That's, that's a long business meeting. But he's taking care of three things. He says, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, you've got to have some rules to live by. So he writes out the Ten Commandments. There were more rules than that. He says, there's got to be a system for your sin to be atoned for because I'm holy. So the whole sacrificial system, all that's written out. By the way, if you've read that in the Old Testament, if you read Leviticus, you're like, like that's why Moses was up there so long, right? Hold, hold, hold the lamb this way. It's headed just this. Cut from this side to that side. Pour out the blood. Well, like it's, it's detailed. And then he says, and, and I've got to have a place to live. So he gives them all this detailed information about how to build the tabernacle. It's, it's a lot. And Moses, at that point at Sinai, they renew the old covenant. And it goes something like this. Ready? Here's the old covenant. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the people Although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation, these are the words that you're to say to the Israelites. God says, if you will obey, I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. That was the old covenant, if you obey. But Jesus says there's a new covenant. At the Lord's Supper, the old covenant is going to end, and a new covenant is going to begin. So I, I'm, I'm a visual person, so I made you guys a chart. This is not everything. It's not all-encompassing. But here's a real quick reference to Old Covenant and New Covenant. Old Covenant was all about the law, right? It was all based in law. You have to do this. You've got to obey these laws. That's what it's all about. The New Covenant is all about grace, okay? It's not that God doesn't still want you to be holy, but it, but it is about the grace of God. He's empowering so you can be holy. Old Covenant's all about our performance. If you do this, then I will protect you, be your God, bless you. But the new covenant is not about our performance, thank you Jesus, it's about Christ's perfection. He's like, I've already done it. And God's people said, amen, right? Amen, I've already done it. Old covenant is about daily animal sacrifice, which by the way, never cleared our conscience. Because every day we're like, oh, I did it again. That's not fun. It's not fun. Can you, like, that's hard. Has anybody had to ever put a, 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 an animal down? Anybody ever had to do that? Like, like a, it's a really hard thing to do. And, and you imagine, like, how, like, you're just constantly feeling guilty. Like, this is it? Like, I, like, I just bring you, the, like, it's hard. So, so, but the new covenant, we don't have to do this. It's not daily animal. Jesus, once and for all, sacrifice. The true Lamb of God died for our sins in our place. The Old Covenant was just for Israel. The New Covenant is for all who believe. The Old Covenant, only priests had access to God. But the New Covenant, all who believe have access to God as their Father. The Old Covenant was fulfilled by Jesus. Do you remember his last words on the cross? He said, it is finished. The New Covenant is everlasting. The New Covenant is everlasting. I think Paul sums up the difference between the two best in 2 Corinthians 3.6. He says, he's made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, that's the old way, 
but of the Spirit. That's the new way. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. When he says letter, he's referring to the law. And, 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 and y'all, the law had no power to save. It had no power to give life. It could only point out our flaws, which led to death. You guys follow me? But the new covenant's about life. He further builds up this theology in Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 through 4. He writes, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. That's the new covenant. No condemnation. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled. That word means finished. In us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, that is what this represents. A new beginning. A new covenant. A new promise between God and us that is not based on what we do, but is fully based upon what Christ did for us. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Give you one more reason that we celebrate. Uh, oh, here it is. Ready? One more reason. We celebrate the Lord's Supper because it proclaims to others that Jesus is our one and only Savior and that He will return in glory. I'll say that again. We celebrate the Lord's Supper because it proclaims to others that Jesus is our one and only Savior and that He will return in glory. Uh, don't miss these words in 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, it's in verse 26. I'll highlight it for you. It says, for As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. When we do this, y'all, when we pause in the midst of our busyness, when we pause in the midst of our church structure, when we pause in the midst of our agenda, and we, we do this, and, and we remember this, we actually proclaim something profound. It, it, it's actually an act of evangelism. It really is. We, we proclaim in this moment that, that indeed Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John one twenty nine. We, we proclaim that Jesus actually is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except by Him. John, John 14.6 We proclaim that in Jesus we have redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.7 And that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.20 we proclaim that Jesus did indeed die once for all sin, Hebrews 10, 10 through 12. It's a proclamation of what Christ has done. But it's not just a proclamation of what he has done. It is also a proclamation of what he will do. Because Jesus did not just say to his disciples, all right, peace. I mean, he did say that at the end, peace I leave with you. But he did, but, but he also said, like, I'm coming back. That's why you can have peace. Like, he told them he's coming back. John chapter 14, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Man, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am going now to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will surely come again and take you 
to be with me where I am, or to myself, this translation says, so that where I am, you may also be. See, Jesus promised this proclamation. He said, it, it says, proclaim the Lord's death, what? Until he comes. Jesus is coming back. And the Lord's Supper is a proclamation of that. that. That's literally why Jesus said to them in Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine from now on, ready? Until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is coming back to establish his Father's kingdom and we will get to be with him where he is. And that's what we're proclaiming. That's what we're proclaiming. All right? So what do we do with all that? We start to understand why we're supposed to celebrate. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask. The band's going to come back out. Uh, don't let them distract you. It's okay. We're going to walk through some application, and then we're going to participate. We're going to celebrate together. Uh, but this application is really important. So here's, here's the first thing, guys. I want you to know first and foremost that I, I hope this message challenges you to put your faith in Jesus. I hope it challenges you to put your faith in Jesus uh, because I want you to look at the instructions. I'm going to read them to you. <laughs> it says, So then whoever eats of the bread and drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty. So what is an unworthy manner? Well, it starts with this is for believers. Jesus instituted this with his disciples, with his followers, with people that have put their faith in him. And so while you do not have to be a member of a church, this church, some churches you do, by the way, of this church. You don't have to be a member of this church to participate, but you do have to be a believer in Jesus, right? He has to be your Passover lamb. You have to have said, yes, Jesus, I believe you died for me. Yes, I want you to mark my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take your perfection and I'm going to just cover my life with that. And so when God looks at me one day in judgment, he is not going to see my sin. He's going to see your blood has covered me and death will pass me over and I will have your life. You're my Passover lamb. That's what this is about. It's about participation. Now listen to me. If you were here and you hear the sound of my voice right now, and you have not yet trusted in Jesus, you can do it today. Today, you just have to believe what we've preached, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived the perfect life that you couldn't, that he died the death that you deserve, and that anyone who believes in him, the Bible says, will be saved. Wouldn't it be sweet today if you became a child of God today, if today was the very first time you got to celebrate what Jesus has done, you're going to say, yeah, that Jesus, he's my Passover lamb. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. So that's first and foremost. If you've never done that, just bow your head right now where you are and just say, dear Jesus. And Tony gave us a great example. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for loving me as sinner. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Would you please come into my life and forgive me of your sins, of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. You're, you're blood. You're the perfect one. I'm going to let your sacrifice cover me. <sighs> forgive me. Come live in me. Make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we start there. Second, guys, 
Um, we have to examine our heart. We've got to get right with God. Paul writes, So then whoever eats of the bread, drinks of the cup, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, therefore, in this way, before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. We like to just do that through a prayer. And so just where you are, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Just a simple prayer. Now, if you're not a believer and you didn't pray that prayer with me earlier, you want to ask Jesus into your life, you could pray that prayer right now. But if you're a follower of God, let's just be honest. Sheep are dumb, y'all. We stray all the time. So this becomes a point of confession for us before we partake. We just say, God, search my heart. Point out my sin. And then we take that sin to Jesus. We take that sin to to Jesus. 1 John 1 9, if anyone confesses their sin, he's faithful and just. He will forgive them of their sin and purify them of all unrighteousness. That's for believers. That's a promise for believers. So right now, take your sin to the Lord. Right now. The thoughts you've been thinking, the wars you've been waging, the old way with your flesh, take them before the cross. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Say, Jesus, I want to walk in newness of life for you. You deserve it. God, we give it to you. We give it to you, Jesus. And that just brings us to our last point of application. It's on the screen. With gratitude, we should celebrate the Lord's Supper. What does gratitude look like? Sometimes it looks like prayer. Sometimes it looks like tears. Sometimes it looks like we get on our knees. Sometimes it looks like we just raise a hand and we say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes it means we hug our family who are believers as we do it. It just gratitude for all that Jesus has done. 